0: those wild people in our church that that get excited about God's Word uh, and and having it and uh, learning from it. You know, we just sang that song, I Want to Make You First, and in doing so, I would like to just take a moment and be quiet. Let's allow God to have the first opportunity to speak to our hearts. A few minutes ago I talked to you about uh, are, are you willing, are you okay with receiving today from hearing and accepting what God might have for you today. So here's what I want to ask you to do. To just in your little two square feet or however big our chairs are, will you just stop and be alone with God for a second? Clear the runway and allow him to come and give him room, give him space to come and speak to you today. Father, we do call upon you today and ask that uh, your spirit would move in this place freely. That if there are things in our hearts, if there are things on our minds that uh, are distracting to us today, that you would help us to set those aside. We want and expect to hear from you. As your word teaches, where there are two or three gathered in your name, you're there with us. And so, Father, we commit this service to you and your name. Amen. Well, I've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about this week. In fact, I originally, when I was kind of plotting out the course of this series, I I had planned on this week's message covering a larger section that it ended up covering this week. Uh, I... I'm trying to press us along, move us along to have a little faster rate, but it just didn't work out that way this week. The Lord had me stay in these verses uh, that we will look at, verses chapter 2, verses 13 through 17 in Mark's gospel. So I would invite you to turn there uh, in your Bibles, whether you have a hard copy or whether you have a soft copy on your phone. Whatever it might be, just turn, turn there to Mark chapter 2. spent a lot of time thinking about the application of this text for me and for you uh, out of this particular story in in Mark's gospel i've titled today's message that jesus is a friend of sinners last week we saw that jesus is the forgiver of sins remember the the men that let let they they destroyed a man's roof and let a Lame person down on a pallet towards Jesus. uh, And he forgave his sins. Jesus saw it necessary to deal with the man's soul before he dealt with his physical body. So we saw last week that Jesus is a forgiver of sin. This week we're going to see that Jesus is a friend of sinners. Now here's where the application part came in for me. You and I must deal with the questions, am I? If that's true of my Savior of my Lord, that he was a friend of sinners, is it true of me? Well, yes, Joel, of course I am, because we're all sinners. I know the church answer. I agree with you. But that's not what we're talking about. We'll see in our text today, Jesus was was hanging out with, he was befriending, he was Meeting the needs, he was being a servant savior of those people who were far from God. And the question that we must deal with is, are we? Am I? I mean, I need to make this personal to me. I hope you'll make this personal to you. Am I modeling my life after my Lord has modeled to me? Am I a friend of sinners? How much time do you spend with people that don't know Jesus? Don't don't answer that out loud, obviously, but uh, I'm not talking about the people at work that sit in the cubicle next to you. I'm talking about the time that you have a choice to do with your time. How much time do you and I spend with people that don't know Jesus? That we make a choice to spend time with people far from God. It's an important question that, that we must deal with, and we'll get several answers. Someone might say, Joel, I'm offended by those people. I don't want my children to be around those people. So I don't. I make the choice. I don't. I want to be around church folks. I want to be around good people. I want to be around people that look like me. And if you're listening to those words that come out of my mouth, you can, you can, hear, how, you can hear how it sounds. <laughs> I might get another response. Joel, my friends would be embarrassed if they saw me. Or I would be embarrassed if my friends saw me around those people. Who are those people? Just as a reminder, I'm going to go ahead and give away my left hook at the end. Just as a reminder, you and I were once those people. And I'm thankful, just like you are, that someone was willing to share the good news of Jesus Christ with me. Anybody else? Well, today... Today we're going to look into a text that what some scholars would call a scandalous, in fact, John MacArthur calls it a scandal of grace, this passage. In Mark chapter 2, this, this passage has the potential to bring great conviction on each one of us. So is our heart ready to hear what God's word says? if we're not careful we can find ourselves me included you included thinking like the pharisee in luke chapter 18 verse 12 it says this i believe there's a slide i think i created a slide that says this the pharisee standing by himself prayed thus god i thank you that i am not like these like other men extortioners unjust adulterers Or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. If you and I aren't careful, we can find ourselves standing in those shoes. I pray and I hope that our heart, I hope that our prayers sound a little bit more like the tax collector in verse 13. Look at what he says. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, what's the posture of our heart today? You know, our Lord was a friend of sinners. What about me? What about you? Are we friends? Thankfully, you and I have, uh, I can't, I don't know everyone in this room, but I, I'm assuming that many, if not most, have been saved by this scandalous grace that we're offered by Jesus. So, before we get into this this text, I want you to uh, listen as we read it. And I would like to ask you to notice all the characters in this text. And, and, and I wonder if there's one that you identify with. You would say that, Joel, this is probably me in the story. So if you'll stand with me, if you're able, as I read Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Now, now just to, to remind us, Jesus had just uh, healed a man of leprosy, he had just healed a man and forgiven his sins in that house where the roof was destroyed. And now he makes his way back outside. Now people are starting to gather around him. He's a popular dude. His, he, he, crowds are coming. He's teaching them. Chapter 2, verse 13. He went outside again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at table in, in the house, in this house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to this disciple, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Father, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, that we may receive truth from your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to take a few minutes and notice how Jesus saw And handled sinners. How he served sinners. After healing the man with leprosy, he's he's on his way out. He's preaching. He's teaching. And people were following. Make note of this. We, We have to notice this. That Jesus is out where the people are. He left the confines where it was restricted and he got out to where the people are. I want you to write this down somewhere on your piece of paper. For us to reach the lost, we have to be with the lost. For us to reach the lost, we have to be with the lost. And we must share the gospel. I I, I want, I want to... Yes, we need to live godly lives. But for those people that would say, Joel, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with how I live. I want people to see God in me. Well, listen, let me ask you a question. How many people have come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior by watching how you live? They've got to hear it. Somebody needs to tell them the good news that that Jesus loves you no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you did last night. Jesus loves you right where you are. Man, Jesus is the forgiver of sins, man. He did for me. He forgave me of my sins, and I just, I'm desperate to tell you I'm willing to, to vandalize somebody's roof to get you close to Jesus. I'm willing to do anything to get you to the one who can forgive you of your sins. I mean, that's the kind of passion that, that you and I must have because it's the passion that our Lord and Savior had. He's a forgiver of sins, and he is a friend of sinners. Let's not forget that. For us to reach the lost, we have to be with the lost, and we must share the gospel. So look at this. Jesus calls. I want you to notice a few things out of this text. That Jesus calls, number one, the most unlikely people to follow him. Jesus calls the most unlikely people to call him in verses 13 and 14. I don't know if you can climb into that story. Maybe you've seen the movie, uh, When Jesus walks up to the tax collector booth, uh, and and Levi has tears in his eyes as Jesus says, follow me. But somehow that day, in Jesus' teaching of the crowd, I guess he was walking around, he makes his way in front of a tax collector's booth. Now, we need to understand something about tax collectors. If they did a contest, the most hated man in Galilee, it's... It's quite possible that this dude, Levi, makes the finalist. He's one of the finalists. Tax collectors, who were they? They worked for the Roman government. They took in taxes there in Capernaum. There in that area, this was a a fishing area. People came in with their goods. Levi taxed them. Now, tax collectors were known for abusing their power. They would overtax people for their own profit the Jewish people, it was okay for them to lie to tax collectors. Uh, it wasn't considered sin if you lied to a tax collector. These people were hated. And Jesus walks up to this guy and in scandalous manner, in ways, says, Hey, Levi, follow me. I wonder what kind of social pressure Jesus had going on behind him when he walked up to that table. I wonder, were there people whispering in his ear going, you know who he is, right? <laughs> you know that we all hate him, right? Jesus, we're down with everything you're doing, man. We love all this healing. And we love all this. Your teaching, your preaching is great. And repentance. But that dude is hopeless. That dude is a lost cause. He is the worst of the worst, Why are you asking him? It reminds me of a story I've I've shared before of one of the years in my coaching days. It was like the first week of practice. Players were, they were still in helmets. We didn't even have pads on. Have the group guys uh, there in front of me. I was coaching a ninth grade team at that point. So I I got 50 young men on a knee in front of me. And one of the kids, that year, his name was George Applin. And George Applin, they had just redrawn the district lines, and some of the kids from that that side of the tracks were now coming to our school. They were trying to equalize racial numbers in the school district. Well, George Applin, his reputation came way out in front of him. He was taller than me, bigger than me. And every one of our kids that were on this side of the tracks knew who George Applin was. He, was, uh, he wasn't afraid of anything. He wasn't scared of anybody. Well, this day, I got, I got my team there in front of me. All right, guys. Uh, today we're going to cover this and that. And I, I didn't have my whistle with me. My whistle was hanging from my rearview mirror in my truck. So I looked up. And there's George. He's in the back of the group, as one would expect. I said, George, George, will you go to my truck and grab my whistle off the rearview mirror? And I'm telling you, I look at all the other kids, and I'm getting the same look from George. They're like, We, we have a moron for a coach. I mean, that's the dumbest thing you could do. You're never going to see your truck again. George was giving me the same look. <laughs> you, you know who I am, right? You mean, you, you know that I do stuff like that. George leaves with my keys. Now on the inside, I'm like) <laughs> Taking a chance here, man. Come on. (laughs) I'm going to tell you something. George Applin would have run through that cinder block wall for me from that day forward. Because I believed in him. I trusted in him. No one else had ever done that. And I'm guessing, oh, Levi, sitting at his booth, Jesus walks up and says, Levi, you follow me. You know who I am, right? You know that all the people behind you hate me, right? And you're asking me to come and follow. You're asking me to come and be on your inner circle, huh? Yeah, there must have been something that Jesus saw in him. There must have been something that Levi saw in Jesus that he would go, I want to be a part of that. And to stand up and cut ties with the Roman government from that moment on. Stand up and leave it and say, I'm in. There must have been something in Jesus that he wanted to be a part of. But there was also something in him that Jesus could see, that Levi couldn't see, that the people behind Jesus couldn't see. I read a story this week, I have to share it, of Michelangelo and one of his very first sculptures. I'm going to butcher this and any of the artists in the room... Please forgive me. Uh, the piata. I have. It's of Mary, the mother of Jesus, holding the body of Jesus when he came off the cross. One of his very first pieces of art. Anna, did I say that right? Do you know if I said it correctly? You're a history person. I just go with it. <coughs> Early in his career, like most artists, he was dirt poor. He didn't have the finances, he didn't have the funding to go and buy some of the choicest pieces of marble. He had to take and use scraps of other artists. Though Michelangelo said this is one of the finest pieces of marble that he's ever used, it came out of the leftovers of other artists. And it became... He, when he drugged this piece of marble home, I don't know how he got it home, but he got it home. And he said, when I looked at that giant rock, I could see these figures just waiting to be released. And so he goes to work on it with a chisel. And out comes one of his most famous pieces of artwork. And he honed it, he sanded it, he, he, he worked it until it became this And friends, I just need to tell you, that is exactly what Jesus does with me and with you. And it's what he did with Levi. Someone who is the most unlikely person that Jesus could have gone up to and said, come follow me. There must have been something in Jesus that Levi said, hey, I want to be a part of that. But there was something in him. There was something in Levi. And there's something in you that Jesus goes, oh, yeah. Hey, there's a masterpiece in there. there, There's a masterpiece in you. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 calls you God's handiwork. I think the New Living Translation says you're his masterpiece. And God takes sinners like me and you, and he goes to work shaping and molding us into a masterpiece. And he has things for us to accomplish. Yeah, I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. There's not a person in this room that follows Christ that is exempt from the fact that he has something that he has for you to do. And there is a masterpiece in there. But here's the deal. There's so many people, followers of Christ, that would say, Joel, there's no way I'm a masterpiece Joel, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin in my life, Joel. Yes, I've trusted in Jesus. He's my Savior. But man, I mess up so often and so bad. There's no way he could have things for me to do. There's no way he could make a masterpiece out of me. If that's you, I need you to go and look at the life of Levi. Because this Levi is most certainly the one we know as Matthew. Matthew the author of the first gospel account. What does Jesus have for you? Well, there's a second thing I want us to see. Is that the people on the edge of society, Jesus calls them. Jesus calls the people on the edge to hang out with him. To be with him. To come see what he's all about. there was a Matthew party that night that day Matthew got up from his table and he cut ties with the Roman government that night he threw a party some have speculated that the party was was kind of a farewell party for Matthew I'm out of here guys all my tax collector buddies and by the way they were the bottom of the barrel guys I'm out dude I'm following this guy named Jesus and I just had to have you meet him I need you to hear what he's all about some would say it was a was a farewell party. Some other scholars would say it was a celebration of the salvation of Matthew that day. Of him putting his trust in Jesus. I wonder what it would look like if you and I were to throw some Matthew parties this year. If you and I Maybe we call one of our other friends at church, and then we invite a group of friends that don't know Jesus. They're friends. I mean, they're people we know. We throw a Matthew party. You and your friend, or or maybe another couple, you're outnumbered by the people that don't know Jesus. The opposite could backfire on us. All right, check this out. If your life group throws a party, and you invite one person that doesn't know Jesus, and they are way outnumbered. That wasn't the case here. Matthew invited his friends, other tax collectors and sinners. The the Pharisees noticed it. Why why does he eat with them? What if you and I did that? What if you and I had the passion to to do whatever it takes to get people near Jesus? Jesus. To hear you brag on him, to hear you pray over a meal, to hear you talk about the one who forgave you of your sins, the one who was, the one who extended grace to you, to hear you talk about him, I wonder what God would do through such a party. I wonder, we don't know, we don't see, we don't hear the after effect of this party. Jesus invites, man. He he wants to be around people that are far from God. I wonder if we were to give an opportunity for those people to, to do just that. I would love to hear some stories of just that. Last thing I want to point out in verses 16 and 17. When the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to the disciples, why does he eat? With tax collectors and sinners, do you notice that they went to his disciples instead of coming to him? What are they trying to do, stir up division? I mean, what's what's the deal with that? Why not come to Jesus straight up and and ask him? Why go in in the back door and try to create division? But Jesus heard what was happening. He he figured it out. And in the end of this this section, we see Jesus' mission statement. Look at what he says in verse 17. And when Jesus heard of it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. I mean, it's his mission. He said it in the last chapter, man, let's go to the next town so I can preach, for that is why I came. I came to tell people where salvation is found. A person... <clears throat> Excuse me, a friend of yours, a friend of mine, must see themselves lost before they can understand they need to be found. A, a person must understand that they're drowning before they understand the need of a lifeguard. A person must know that they're spiritually sick before they understand that they need a f- spiritual physician. They must know that they're spiritually dead before they know the need of a Savior. See, there's good news, but people need to know the bad news as well. Before they're ready to hear the good news, they should probably understand the bad news. That as long as we live a life separate from God, we are separated from God. And if we die in that condition, we will be separated from God for eternity. But there's good news. God's, God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. That if you'll trust in him, you'll never perish. But you'll have everlasting life. I mean, there's good news, but they need to understand the bad news as well. We must know today That Jesus was a friend of sinners, and he still is. We must know today that he called the most unlikely people to follow him, and he still does today. We must know that he called people on the edge of society to hang out with him, and he still wants to. You know, that's another place that I spent a lot of time thinking this week. Who are those people? Who are are the people on the edge today? Who are the people that I would feel, I'm talking about me, who are the people that I would feel uncomfortable if you saw me hanging out with them? Who are the people that you would feel uncomfortable with if I saw you hanging out with them? I thought about this a lot. We think of our culture, we think about what's going on in the United States today. There are people on the edge. That they feel very far from God, but Jesus loves them. There is no one who has sinned to the point that they are beyond the reach of God's love. And the question is, am I willing to love them, no matter what you think? When Jesus walked up to the table and invited Levi and the whispering that's going on behind Jesus, does he not know who he is? He's the worst of the worst. He's a traitor. He steals from his own people. Jesus didn't give in to social pressures. The question is do you and I? I'm just wondering if there's people in my realm of influence, if there's people in your realm of influence that I need to extend the love of Jesus to. He did. Why not me? Uh, you know, the, the people on the edge, I've, I'm trying to be very delicate in my wording because I know this, is, this generalization is not true of everyone. Who would I be uncomfortable with if you saw me with them? Someone who's had an abortion? Oh, uh, what else in our culture? Transgender. Transgender. That, that whole thing. Would I, would I be uncomfortable if you saw me sitting at a Starbucks, my Bible open, talking to someone about that? Who are the people on the edge that need to know about the love of Jesus? Hey, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Am I? Are you? I want you to listen to some words that were penned in the 1700s by a man named John Newton. And some of you already know where I'm going. Listen to these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. The Lord has promised good to me. His words, his word, my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Dare I try to lead us in the singing of that verse, first verse?
1: I'll try. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see.
0: Before we go to the second verse, let's let's read the words. And not just go by memory of a hymn, one of our favorite hymns. Read it. Take it in.
1: T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fear. How about this? The Lord has promised His word my hope secures. Come on. He will my sheep.
0: Christian, let me ask you a question today. Do you need to revisit the scandalous grace? Do you need to go back and remember who you used to be? Have have you found yourself in recent days, months, maybe even years, so insulated, so surrounded by Christians that you have forgotten the grace that was extended to you? And do you know sinners? Do you know people that are far from God that need to know about this scandalous grace? Well, maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus. You've never, you've never thought or, or, or even th- was it a remote reality that God would love even you? That the sin in your life could be covered by the blood that was shed on the cross And today, maybe for the very first time, you understand that Jesus loves you to the point that he was willing to die for you. And that while you were even still sinning, that God demonstrated his love for you in this, that Christ died for you. Is that you today? Man, you can give your life to him now. You can admit your sin to God. You don't need to admit it to me. You admit that sin to God and ask for forgiveness. The Bible says in 1 John, if we will confess our sin, that he is faithful and just to forgive. Will you do that today? Will you trust him with your life? Invite invite him to come and take over your life. Be the Lord of your life. Invite him into your heart. Trust him with everything you are. Will you do that today? The Bible says that when we do that, that he sends a helper. The Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our our heart, his spirit with our spirit, and and we live together working to look more like Christ every day. Will you trust Jesus with your life today? Let's pray. As we spend some time time alone with the Lord and allow him to have the last word today. I'm going to invite our praise team to make their way up and just for you to spend some time alone with the Lord right there where you are. We're sitting here and heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I wonder if there's someone here today that has never trusted Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. But today you did. For the first time you've understood that God's love reaches even you where you are. I just got to tell you I'm so thankful that he reached me where I was back in the day. And is today your day? If there's someone here today that trusted Jesus for the first time with your life, will you do me a favor and just, just lift your hand real quick? I would love to know who I'm praying for. I got it. I see it. Praise God. Well, I wonder if there's a Christian here today. That today you have realized you are so insulated yourself with other folks like you that you have forgotten That we're to be friends of sinners as well. And there are people in your workplace, maybe even in your neighborhood, that you just need to be intentional. You need to be wise, but you need to be intentional about getting them close to Jesus. I wonder if there's someone here today that would say, Joel, I I would like some prayer for that because I don't know how to do that. I would like some wisdom from God in helping me do that. He's laid some people on my heart and on my mind, but I don't know how to do it. I I, I realize I need to. I need to get them closer to Jesus, and, and he wants me to do that, but I don't know how. Will you pray for me for wisdom? Anybody in that boat? You just raise your hand real quick so I can know. Got it. I see it. Lord, I pray today for the one that has has said, I I trust in you today. I give my life to you. I want to live for you. Lord, I pray that we would be a church, that I would be a pastor, that we would have leadership here that would surround this person and help them grow in their likeness of you. I pray in the days to come, Lord, that you would protect this one. The enemy's gonna come running. The enemy's gonna want to to call them back to the way they used to be. But Lord, I pray that this person would no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but would be renewed day by day in his mind, in his heart, in his ways. Lord, I lift up those in the room that You've laid people on their heart that they need to bring close to you. Will you give wisdom? Lord, will you lay ideas on their heart on ways they can maybe throw a Matthew party. Maybe they can do some kind act towards this person that would draw that person to the point of saying, why are you being so kind? Lord, whatever avenue you want to use to draw people to you, we ask you to start doing it. And we ask you to use us. Lord, it is our desire to see a soul harvest of people coming to know you. Your word teaches us to pray unto you, the Lord of the harvest, to send out workers. Lord, I'm praying that right now. That every one of us in this room, as your children, would understand when we walk through these doors to leave this place, we're entering the harvest field. Lord, we don't want to leave the same today. We want to be moved by your spirit. We thank you for serving us. We thank you for being a servant king, a servant savior. And we thank you for loving us while we were still sinners. We thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. It's a time of, of response here. Uh, if you would like prayer, I would be glad to pray with you here at the end of the service. Uh, but let's